0: Blog Talk Radio. 2019 man, faded dreams. Shout out to the world. <laughs> hop up in the Benz, Yeah, we finna make a play. Finna be a touchdown. Hey, let's go. Hey, hop up in the fence ooh. Yeah, we finna make a play. Finna be a touchdown. All my brothers in the background. Hey my brothers in the background, ayy, yeah, we keep it 100, we ain't making no songs, we gotta keep on grinding, gotta keep on shining, our time is coming, ayy, our time is coming. Ayy, ay, catch me rolling up Look, I be rolling up and I be trying to ease the pain I was just a young and I was locked up in the shame I'm trying to make it, put my film on so we can see a different planet Space shit about to take off, yeah we too lit And we really with this had to switch it up and yeah we still up on the flow Ayy, no we ain't bother about to go Ayy, ayy Hey, hop up in the fence oh yeah, we finna make it play, it yeah, finna be a touchdown. All my brothers in the background, hey.
1: You 50 on that gas, you already know Yeah, we going real fast, now it's time to go blast And I'm chillin' with the pros every day Now we gettin' older and we gettin' to the pay And these people askin' us how we do it every day Don't worry about it, we just gettin' all this pay And you know we gon' do we one day it's a struggle but you gotta do your best Live life cause you gon' be blessed if you rock with the bros, they gon' have to back to the
0: end of the road. Hey, hop up in the fence. zone. Yeah, we finna make it play. It finna be a touchdown. All my brothers in the background. hey, all my brothers in the background. hey. yeah, we keep it 100. We ain't making no stops. We gotta keep our driving. Gotta keep on shining. Our time is coming. You are now tuned in to the mother uh uh-uh, greatest
2: We are back. We are back, the ladies are back. Hey, T. <laughs> hey, Alicia, girl, how you doing? Girl, um, great evening. Okay, you break it up. Say that one more time. Oh no. I said great team talk evening. Okay, that's better. That's better. I know it's been a bit of a minute since the ladies of left chat have been on the air, but we are back this evening. We have a fantastic show in store for you guys. I'm looking forward to it, I know we have a Well, while is getting her volume our audio situated We're going to get back into some music Because guys, it's been a minute Since we had some of our awesome music here On last chat So, wow, I have so much to, to choose from Let me just pick some Caris. You know, he's been on the show a couple of times And if you're one of those that love to hear his music And would like to hear his interview Just check out our archives We're listening to Caris, my baby Hey, my chair it's Maria. I was thinking about you, and I wanted to hear your voice. I miss you so much, and I just can't wait to see you. I
0: uh, I just have so much on my mind lately, and... Just been there for me and you've been part of my life. Now when I first met you, I told you it it's gonna be mine. Uh-huh. You just mocked and said we don't really have the time uh-huh. But I pursued you anyway. I don't give up Come easy up. She was playing hard like a daughter was on the uh-huh. baby look me in my eye, tell me on what the kid She looked me up and down and said, I adore you Come kid, but I ain't trying to get hurt, you all wild thing uh-huh. So I dropped to my knees, gave her a little bling What about your other girls? What, what about, about your other dudes? I just me? had a quick bite, treat them like fast food uh-huh. cool. All well, that he said she uh-huh. said we all you turn up let me go down on you, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty, oh, I'm worthy, baby I know I'm crazy, baby I might get a little added to this yeah. jersey,
1: baby You're forever my lady oh. The new Barney and Clyde, i in, been my liking. baby, You're my baby.
0: I just heard your message. I
1: just
0: want you to know that I I feel the same way.
1: I'm
0: just working right now, but I decided to hit you back, let you know that I love you, and um, I feel the same way. Take over baby passion pain lust heartbreak yeah. without you in my life. I just can't take oh. many ups and downs. We came back so it's coming and they want to see us fall apart They can't That's wait right. but I'll never let my baby go not what never finally you. found someone that makes me want better I So I chase the cheddar so we can travel wherever and she only pay where it's nice and sunny weather I am LA Cabo on the beach yeah. my baby got swag and what? one hell of a technique yeah. So why would I run to you lanes
1: inside the game so y'all can do some bullshit and try to break some shame. Uh-huh. Who's the blame? Fuck the fame It is not important I just want the whole world To call you Mrs. Jordan So I give my heart to thee uh-huh. I be the first man I say I'd rather carry your baby oh, That's crazy baby. You're my baby girl
2: important part of my life and I wouldn't be the woman I am today without you and I just need you to know that and I love you so much and I thank you for all that you do and all that you put into this relationship and there's no one like you in this
1: world baby I love you and I'm so glad you're mine bye
2: I just want to say I love Karis and Marie. Shout out to them. (laughs) Yes. This is going to make some of his music. I know. I know. And just update y'all, they are married. (laughs) They're married now. But uh, shout out to Marie Jordan and Karis Jordan. We appreciate. them, awesome. always thinking of us. Oh, um, yes, girl, it has can. been a listen. It has been a time. It has been a time, y'all. We've been busy. We are glad. We are glad to be back. Uh, to to hit the airways one more time. We talking that talk today about committing to you. Now, see, a lot of times we uh. Well, let's open up before we do that. We always get to talking, and then we should get to open up the show. Go ahead, see, do what you do. <laughs> I know, right? We, we, once again, you're listening to Let's Chat with Ms. Connie and Alicia. We are here this evening, and we're so excited about it. But For those that may be joining us for the very first time, just to let you guys know, Alicia and I, you know, we started off as avid readers, just loving literature. But our show has evolved into so much more. Now we embrace all the art. No matter what they may be, such as literature, of course, music, as you heard some of the tunes here on the chat, um, law, you know, everything, anything that has to be associated with the arts, guaranteed they have come through the doors of Let's Chat, and we just try to give give you guys an intimate, you know, friendly environment to get to react to interact with our guests, and um, we got some interaction to do this evening, because we got two great guest on tonight. So I'm excited to get back into our groove. And once again, thank you for listening to Let's Chat with Miss Tony and Lisha. Absolutely T. Um, yeah, we we gotta get back in the groove, y'all. So give us a give us a minute. Um, <laughs> we uh, normally start off with uh, Keith Robinson. Um but we gon we're gonna hit y'all with some of that. Um, we appreciate him always sharing his music with us. We appreciate EP Pope always sharing um his music with us.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um oh, Superstar K. Shout out. He got some new music. I'm trying to get it see. Um but he back in the studio. You know he's a he's a chat room favorite, Superstar K. <laughs> he always remembers Absolutely. us. Absolutely, you know, he loves him, the ladies are less sad, and we love him too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but my our topic today is committed to you, right? A lot of times, and I mm-hmm. believe this, we are born, especially as women, to commit to somebody else before we commit to ourselves.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, man, or, uh, commit to somebody else before you commit to yourself. This is the thing. If you can't commit to yourself and your future and your vision, you're not going to be able to commit to nobody else. It's not possible. You can't give yourself Mm to something that you haven't given to yourself first. You know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people do try it, and then they fail because you did not commit to Mm -hmm. you. If you never commit to you, if you don't have a vision for you, one will always be created for you, and it may not be the one that you want. So you have to uh-huh. take that time to commit to yourself, your life, your vision, your health, whatever it is. Mhm, uh-huh. what'
3: do
2: you think about that too? I think it's so true, you know that kind of parallels to uh the saying that I can't love you until I love myself, you uh-huh. know because uh-huh. you can't you can't give or support or embrace what you don't know. That kind of makes sense, because in order to do those things, you first of all, you have to know how it feels, you have to know what it takes, and you have to be able to recognize it. So without mm-hmm. that foundation, I mean, how far can you build upon? Or how exactly. much can you build upon? Exactly, and then you end up losing yourself. Once you end up losing mm-hmm. yourself into somebody else or something else, you can't really blame that person, that place, or that thing because you ultimately made the choice to give all of you the something um, that you never gave to yourself. So if you never mm-hmm. gave it to you but you want to give it away to somebody else, once you lose yourself, you can't blame that thing. You know a lot of times mm-hmm. it would be like um, – People say, oh, my, the job or or the relationship. No, you made a choice. And once you make that choice, you got to stand ten, t- ten toes down on that choice and say, if it go left, uh, partially that was my fault because I gave to it before I gave it to me. Does that make sense? It does. And first of all, people just have to be accountable to themselves. And I think that's what a- – Wherein the problem lies, at least because they don't want to take responsibility for if something goes wrong, you know. And you know, I'm 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 a football fanatic. I'm a sports fanatic, rather. And I just want what came to mind as you was talking about that was last night's Monday night game, <laughs> because the coach didn't take ownership of losing that game. Yeah, I'm putting it out there. Coach lost that game for Denver after putting all that stuff on the table for Russell Wilson, you know, he didn't take accountability for it. So it's just a matter of if you mess up, mess up. That's it. (laughs) But you know what? And that's true. Like when you do stuff and ultimately you know that you have messed up, just take that L -hmm. and say, you know what, I did this. You know what I'm saying? As, first right. of all, you can't go back and undo it. You, can, you mm-hmm. can't go back That's and undo right. it. The only thing that you can do is move forward and do better in that, um, in that thing, knowing that this is something I'm not going to do again. But once you try to sweep it under the rug or try to sugarcoat it and never take full responsibility for it, then that, be, that entails the problem. That's true. And that just compounds it, you know, because take the L, like you say, and learn from it, you know. Well, I know not to do this because so and so happens. So I know I have to – that's just my take on it, at least. But that's true. You do. And it's absolutely a necessity because that's part of growth. You think – I think that's part of growth, T. I think that when – First of all, growth is is a necessity. If change is inevitable, you're not going to prevent that happening. And I think that when you're growing, mm-hmm. you're learning different things right. automatically. And you know, sometimes we we get in those those moments and times where we might make those bad mistakes those bad choices or mistakes or whatever it is that we do, and we kind of get in a rut. But when you're in that valley, you got to learn that lesson. Whatever that lesson is, at that point in time, you got to learn that thing so that you Mm -hmm. never return back to that same place. But if you're always in the same position, if you're always in the same place, that means that you didn't learn whatever was meant for you to learn. It was yeah. something that was needed for you to get from that moment. That was part of your growth process. You got to uh-huh. get that thing. And sometimes, uh-huh. and majority of the time, I'm going to say sometimes, majority of the time that comes from reviewing and reflecting on you, your choices, your actions, you know, moving with intent and purpose. You know, a lot of times, especially when people are dating, right, Um hmm uh-huh this this dating thing you know i haven't gotten the dirty the dirty dating pool y'all it's so dirty out here i'm like listen everybody married detached i'm gonna need y'all to get y'all life okay because y'all messing up mm-hmm. the experience <laughs> but it's like if you're moving with intent and purpose um i think especially in dating there's two types of dating there is casual dating, but then mm-hmm. there's also dating with an intent and purpose of something. I've learned that I'm not a casual dater. That's, that's just not my mm-hmm. thing. I don't do anything casual. I might casually mm-hmm. drink, but, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Who mm-hmm. does casual? Casual is is, is lukewarm. And so if I'm right. not going to be lukewarm to myself, I can't be lukewarm to um anything that i'm gonna do nor can i allow someone to be lukewarm to me you know but but if, people, you're, just out here, but if you're being casual i'm sorry Lee, but if they're being casual are they really being them you can't really get to know a person and to appreciate them if they're just casually giving you you know for now what they want to give you Does that make right, sense? but that's the thing though Yeah, but um, that's my thing. When you're casually dating, that means Mm -hmm. that you're going out every now and then. The intent and purpose is not to even learn that person or get to know that person. You know what I'm saying? It's just to go outside. Mm -hmm. We're just going outside. Now, going outside does not entail getting some. You see what I'm saying? Because that means there's an intent and purpose there. That's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Going outside means we want to get something to eat and I'm going home. Right. That's, that's casual. You know, that's casual because you can't be out here casually dating and then casually sleeping with everybody. That's that's too much, oh, no. too much going on in the world. That's too much activity. Oh, no. So if you are going <laughs> to casually date, you still got to do that with an intent and purpose of knowing that I'm going outside to get a meal or – to hang out or to just be around adult company. Mm-hmm. But that's the extent of that connection. It's not going anywhere. Um, and it's not really, honestly, it's not really a friendship. It's an acquaintance. Exactly. It's like you're just passing time with each other. <laughs> right. Really? You know. <laughs> And who wants to be, you know, you can't really get to know each other like you said, that in those no circumstances. But you can't you can't go through life casually doing anything. I just really believe that. You have to have an intent and a purpose and a direction for whatever it is you're doing for whatever reason. And you gotta have that understanding with yourself first. Mhm. Even if it's a job or yeah. whatever it is. Have that understanding with yourself first. I only plan to do da 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 da. da, da. That's all I'm planning on doing because mm-hmm.
3: da, da 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 da.
2: Have that understanding and talk with yourself. It is nothing wrong with talking to yourself. Exactly. You gotta you gotta stay committed back to our topic. You have to stay committed to you. So that means that all these things that you want to do to yourself, you gotta commit to that. You have to commit so to you and the process that, mm-hmm. that uh, of getting the things that you want and going where you want or having with what you, whatever it is that you're committing to. Mm-hmm. Well, we got our first well, to to hear. Hear. Go ahead, T. I was going to say, I was exci- I'm going to be excited to hear what our guests have to say about that topic as well. <laughs> Yes, now we got some two fabulous guests on um, because they have definitely uh, committed to their futures, and they've committed to themselves and the process, and everything is a process. You know, everything is a Thank process. You. You're learning, you're growing, um, especially mm-hmm. in business. And our first fabulous guest is Tina Shaw, uh, who is a honey, black black girl power entrepreneur. <laughs> Awesome. Welcome, Tina. Hi. Hello, ladies. Hi. How are you? Thanks for joining us this evening.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: We are so excited.
4: I couldn't open up my email, so I was like, oh, my God, let me just call in early. Like, I I can't open them up, but I was just determined. Like, no, I know I'm meant to be on here, so I'm going to just listen. And so I was just listening. So I'm so glad I'm not late or you know. So I'm glad to be on here. Yeah, yes, I was you're listening you're to you guys. You are fine.
2: Absolutely. And we're excited to have you on. Now, we're talk about committing to yourself, uh, committing to you first. Um, but before we get into that, we want you to tell everybody just a little bit of yourself uh, and your journey into the world of business.
4: Okay. Um, well, how's Safe Haven? I have a, a cleaning company, Safe Haven Cleaning Company. Um, I've been in business now, uh, well, as far as my LLC is two years, but I, before I got it, I was still going without it for three.
3: <clears throat>
4: and um, it was first out of me going through, I had went through um, a really rough patch in my life. I was in a toxic marriage, and um, I was recently, I was going through a divorce. My brother was charged with manslaughter, my best friend OD'd, and then I had a cousin of. That was like 30-something, she died of bone cancer. And this was like maybe like Mm -hmm. January, February, March, April, and I just, um, it was just back to back. And I was already, you know, going through, have been going through throughout my life, just trauma. And um, so with all of that going on, um, I kind of like lost it when my brother, who was a very laid-back guy, caught that charge because uh, he and I are night and day. Um, nobody could believe it. I couldn't, uh, and it just did somewhere very, very close. So what I did, um, it was an insurance lady that was coming through at the time. And she asked me, what did I want to do? Cause I was just on the couch. I had quit my job. My house was in a disarray. I mean, I couldn't distinguish I couldn't uh, between my clean clothes or my dirty clothes. Everything was just everywhere. My house looked like how I felt. So basically, okay. um, she shared with me, you know, why don't we just try to take a shower? Let's do that. Because I was so depressed that I, you know, if I smelled myself, then I would. Or if I had to go somewhere, you know what I mean? But, like, just my normal, everyday, like I used to, it just I didn't have no energy to do it. I just didn't. I didn't want to do it. I slapped the wig on, and, and that's it. That's how it rolled. Well, fast forward, um, I did that, got in the shower, started feeling a little better. She said, What is it that you think you would wanna do? This is my second cleaning company. My first one was in ninety two when I was twenty two years old, my with a first with my first husband. I said, I kinda wanna I want a cleaning company. That's what I want. I wanna implement everything in it that I need that I needed. Um so once I got my house cleaned up and um, I started feeling better, my place looked better, the clutter from my mind was leaving. Um, I can mm-hmm. see my way and um, from there with verse safe haven and so what we do is that's how the journey began that's how my journey began I hope I mm-hmm. answered your question I kind of went off.
2: <laughs> you yes, actually yes. answered our first two questions because we always talk about a goal moment, and a goal moment is when thought and execution come together. A lot of times we're really mindful about how we pour into other people the things going on around us, but when we talk and we deal with ourselves, we kind of deal in lack. I, can, I don't have time right now. We're putting all these things in front of ourselves. So you actually answered our first two questions, um, because it's, that's very um, a very powerful experience. Um, when you are in that valley and you gotta you gotta get yourself up out of there and mm-hmm. be able to 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 start and do something different. Now, when you started your business, did you think um,
4: it was going to go as far as it has? I did. I spoke affirmations after I came up out of it because I've evangelized, I've ministered, all of that. So the word was in me, and I knew I had the tools, but I just wasn't utilizing them. You understand what I mean? Like, I knew Uh what to do, Uh but I just literally wasn't doing it. It's like Faith Without works is dead. I wasn't doing anything with it because I was caught up in my emotions. I was caught up in my circumstances instead of looking at it from God's view or what I knew that he could do. So when I started it, I knew it was going to be a go. I went in and I started my company with a mop, SOS pad, Clorox, and um, a broom, and a Yeah, that that was it. Comment, you know the basic thing. I don't even think I had a vacuum at the time. We was doing the old school with the with the broom, and I did. Mm. uh, I put it on Facebook by faith. I just put it out there. I'm getting. I didn't even have a name for it yet. But I used to have a home care business, and it was called Safe Haven Home Care. So I said, well, I'm a. You know what? Safe Haven. I think that that's what I'm gonna call it. And I did. I put my first before and after picture, and the rest is history. But yes, to answer your question, I did know it was gonna go. Yeah, I did. Wow,
2: that's That awesome. is powerful. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry, T, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that was powerful. But I want to Thank say, you. Tina, that, 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 this is Tony. You know, we're going to try to remember who's who, let you know who you're speaking to, because we always get told we sound so much alike. But oh, that you is <laughs> This <laughs> mm. that you said your home reflected your mind because that clutter, that, that clutter is real, you know, and it just not only in within you, but everything around you, everything. And and I think everything. And I think sometimes when it starts to get to that point, others see it, you know, like someone saw, like, let's just take a shower. You know, sometimes it has to get, become so extreme in order for you to try to
4: fight yourself out of that cloud
2: did you feel yes. that you were
4: fighting to get out of where you were oh god yeah because I was in a, my, my my marriage was very toxic it was volatile um I was I was I just had a women's empowerment uh women's and men's empowerment um September the 3rd and this is what actually it's just so funny that you're bringing this up because I just shared this that it was me versus me it wasn't really anybody uh. else it was me versus myself mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because um, I, how I lived it was like I was a dressed up trash can I would I knew how to put on my makeup to go out when I had somewhere important to go. You know, like I said, I would throw the wig on, throw my makeup on, come on. But as soon as I came home, the wig came off. My hair was matted. My house, I just threw the clothes in there. Like I said, I would have to search through things. And, you know, and then when I was looking for clothes, it would just be all in my bed where I just slept on the couch because the room was just a mess. But I could close the door. You couldn't see that when you came in here. So I knew it's was Mm -hmm. coming. You know how to hide stuff. So that reflected Mm -hmm. my whole life because I had relapsed, I was using secretly, uh, so I thought, in your own mind, because people know, but you don't think, I wasn't Mm -hmm. doing it openly is what I'm saying. So I had relapsed Mm -hmm. and I started using drugs, I was drinking heavily and so it was like You know, when I went to work, you know what I'm saying, or when when I appeared outside to my neighbors, I was one way. Or when you came to visit, I was one way. But as soon as the door was shut or you opened up that bedroom door, you would be like, what in the world? And some of my closest friends did say, what is going on? But nobody knew I was Mm -hmm. dying. Because Tina is strong. She's been through this. She's been through that. nobody knew that I literally was fighting for my life, mentally, Uh. spiritually, physically. I had to get all of that together. I had to get all of that mm-hmm. together. And it started with my mental, spiritual first, and then I had the mental, so I got a therapist and I got a psychiatrist. I mean, I did things that I had to do to live. I got, I got sober. I'm sorry. First, I got sober. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And, and
2: you was, know wow. what? It was a time. And and that's so true that you have to, you have, to have that come to – Jesus moment with yourself is that. You got to have that moment with yourself when you are really kind of getting on your own self. Like, listen,
4: this is not working. Yes. Yes. I mean, and I was just caught at that point, I said, I can't help my brother like this. I'm dying. I knew I was. I mean, you know what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, the, I literally had lost my mind. Like, I, I had, I just knew it. I've been through the, the 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 trenches throughout my life. You know, I jumped off the porch early. You know, I chose the streets real early. I wasn't raised that way. I chose that life. So when yeah. I, I've mm-hmm. been through way worse. But 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 my but nothing like with my brother. I don't have any children. So my brother is like, I am such a protector of him. So it was, it was like nothing I could do. I'd have exhausted my accounts to get him a lawyer. He was looking at 25 in life. And then, like I said, I was still in the toxic marriage. And I was overweight. And I was, I was drinking, sneaking from him. He'll be at work. I'm getting high. But I would get in the shower to try to get myself together before he got home. And it just was crazy. I lived the, the way, like I said, my house was okay when I was married. But when I put him out. It's just everything. Just I just didn't do anything. I just did not. Mm-hmm. I did what I w- didn't want you to see because you can see the kid. There are two things people gonna ask you for is a glass of water and can I use your bathroom? I kind of I, mm-hmm. I kept that. You know what I'm saying? Everything else I can kind of shove behind or put something over, like I'm saying, my hair and you know my face probably was not. You know I was even darker. You know what I'm saying? Because of the, the mm. rage and the anger and the sadness, the depression, I just look different, yeah. you know.
3: Mm. But I, I okay. got better.
4: Yeah, when I could, everything around me changed, when I changed, everything else changed changed around me as well. Mm-hmm. That's
2: and, and, and isn't that like the best feeling? It is because once you change, you 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 see how many how much stuff around you is just different. Um, the way yes. you feel about people, places, and things are different, yes, yes, and it's yes, like yes. then you ask yourself, how come you, you didn't see that?
4: Yeah. <laughs> first thing <laughs> I said God, is God, why was I marrying that? him? How did I? <laughs> why did I marry him? And what did I see? <laughs> That's the first thing I said. But um, I mean, literally, when the negative energy left my home, my flowers started growing. I immediately, uh, when I started to heal, I, my my uh, my apartment is, everything is bright colored. Because I wanted to, when I woke up in the morning, that's the first thing I wanted to see was vibrant colors. So everything mm-hmm. is, like I'm looking at it now, it's just maroon, I mean, just bright yellow and blue and red and orange, and purple. You know, everything is so colorful. So it just meant a lot to me because that's how I feel, you know, vibrant. You know what I mean, and I haven't looked back. I've been going. I had commercials. Or, I mean, it's just my business has been doing. The pandemic, I excelled. Everybody else may have lost work. I, I got well. You know, people wanted everything sanitized, so I really was yeah, at mm-hmm. the right. At it was the right time for me to break out with my company. Absolutely. Wow.
2: Now, when you were going through and you you came out and you had to really buckle down into the business world. You know, there's mm-hmm. a business side of everything that you do. What was that process like for you? Um, not just uh, just in your healing and
4: saying, I know how to clean, but knowing the business side of having a cleaning service. Well, what I did, I um, I started reaching out. I started watching. For one, I started watching, a, well, you know, because we taught how, well, most people, don't let me say, because I, I have some, some team players that literally have never cleaned in their life, but I'm going to just say, I learned, you know, initially from home. So I had mm-hmm. that foundation. But then when it became like commercial doing restaurants, it was kind of like, okay, I did a lot of YouTube searching. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. how do you, then my <laughs> uncle owns a restaurant. Grandma's on Maine. So I went and asked him, like, what is the thing called to clean the grill? But I just started studying my craft. And I just – some things just came naturally, and I'm not being funny. It just came – I cleaned the way I know that I want my things to look. So I went over and beyond that. And then as I began to network with different people and start doing banquet halls and learning what product leaves a film and what doesn't leave a film, trial and error. But at the end of the day, I just began to perfect it, and I'm still learning as long as I'm living. You know what I'm saying? I know you just you – just, you never know enough. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I just started asking mm-hmm. people that are successful, big businesses and owners. Mm-hmm. I've been reaching out with SCORE, just asking all types of different things so that I can be the very best that I can. Because the services that I offer, there's really not another cleaning company in the city of Dayton that do what I do, mm-hmm. and especially being an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. Wow. So but you
2: know,
4: that is
3: true.
2: But you just spoke into something that Lisa and I talk about here on Let's Chat constantly, and a lot of successful guests that have come through the doors, no matter what their craft may be, in order to be successful, you have to study that craft, whether it's writing, you know, acting, cleaning, producing, putting out music. You have to study the craft in order for whatever it is that you're passionate about to be successful, to. and I find that mm-hmm. those that don't just think that they're going to just go in and, and just make it to the top of the list, they don't take the time to study that craft. It, it it takes time, you know, and the study has to be included, so I'm so glad you Absolutely. spoke on that because, you
4: know, we we preach that. Study the craft, right, Lees? That's that's right. right. It's I true. Mean, but everything we're in a microwavable society though. Everything mm-hmm. wants to come quick. Mm-hmm. They wanna reach the top quick. They don't wanna, you know, right. do their due diligence and everything. But in order for to me I don't want nobody coming back saying, Hey, you didn't um clean my or it's a film on the floor or you didn't you didn't clean my oven correctly. That's why my, 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 my cleaning is so thorough. You know what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. forgot that little spot right there, get that piece right there up there because that's the first thing they're gonna see. But and that's what I'm I'm always learning. I'm always ordering new products or ordering new things to make my job working smarter, not harder, but at the same time doing a thorough job. Because cleaning is very serious. I mean I just if somebody's paying you to clean, that's exactly what they want you to do. And I don't want my reputation, right. this is my namesake, to say, Oh, they did all right. You know, I wanna say, Hey, they are great. They are you know what I mean? That's 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 my mm-hmm. whole goal. And my vision is for it to be much bigger than this, you know. But I, it's, I'm, I'm growing, and I'm very grateful, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on your platform. I appreciate both of you so much. Thank you. You are this so very so welcome.
2: welcome. Now, you did you talked about your event, uh, Divine Healing. Tell us a little bit about your event.
4: Well, Divine Healing, um, my first one was May the twenty eighth of this year, and it was for women, uh-huh. and it was. But um, birth, um, on, <laughs> it's always birthed out of something. Like I said, my, how Safe Haven was birthed out of my own issue. Well, we were already talking and networking and coming back together with some friends of mine, and we all just had, may not been through it, the things that I've been through, but we all know no pain. We had that in common. We all know what, you know what I'm saying, being hurt or being in relationships or just life. And so I was on a call with my cousin, and she um, had got married against everybody, telling her, won't you wait? You know, she got married really quick, and she just wanted to be married because everybody else in the family had been married or was married. She wanted to be married so badly. Anyway, she prematurely married the guy. They weren't married no more than six months, and he did a wrong, and just to hear her cry. After we got off the phone, I had to come. I had to, before we got to tell her, listen, I've been listening to you, but I have to come to you the way that I am because I am raw. and He doesn't like you. I don't know what else to say, you know. And so after that, I said, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I don't know no other way to tell you but this way, you know. And then Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. need to learn to love you. So once we hung up, I cried because I know it hurt her, but it needed to be said. And I, I said, you know what, that's it. I said, I'm, I'm doing an empowerment something, because this, this, is, this, this is enough. And then I didn't know what it was going to be called or anything. So once I called everybody, like, I'm going to have a women's empowerment. they like, okay, we're on board. My team, my, you know, my sister's circle said, okay, well, let us know when, whatever, whatever. So I was just at the uh, washing dishes. I always hear from God, by water. And he said divine healing. And I said, wow. So I researched divine healing, which I knew, but I just wanted, so in case somebody else asked me, I would have a, definite answer for it and it was uh and it went from there and everybody came through and we talked about um why do we stay in relationships when we know that the man uncheated had a baby on you why stay like my i based it again off my life why would i stay in a a volatile marriage why, what where did that low self-worth come from where why mm-hmm. why is that every relationship i how do I just make that like oh well, that's not he's not as bad as so and so was that I, I put up with that, or like her, he doesn't like you why are you stand- want to stay married to him when he shows you nothing believe when people show you who they, who they are believe them you know mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we talked about. We talked about finances. Um, I had somebody talking about the credit because clearly that we need to learn that because in our culture, my family, they always pay for everything cash. I didn't learn about credit and so forth and so on uh, when I was younger. And then the life I lived, uh, being in the street selling dope you just you pay for cash nobody said hey you need to get this together and get your credit together you know what i'm saying it was all about getting the bag back then in the 80s so it was like that's all i knew was to grind and get money to buy this and buy that but so we talked about all of those type of things and some women said they stayed because of fear of being alone or children uh, mm-hmm. uh all kind of reasons women were some people said sex they say because they, you know, didn't that. I mean, it was just a lot of reasons, but mine was. I said, like, low self worth. I didn't love myself because when you love yourself, you don't stay in no mess like that. Right. You
2: know? So true. Mm-hmm. So true. Wow. And, and it's just, you've come full circle, you know. And I want to say I'm very proud of you. Like Thank you, you, you have, <laughs> you have Thank you. taken. You you took everything, every choice that you made. We talked about this. I don't know if you heard this in the beginning of the show. We were talking about uh, our doctor is committing to, uh, you, to you first. And a lot of times T have brought up being accountable to yourself. That's right. Um, and some of our choices and decisions, we got to take that on the chin because we did that. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's and right. And you did that. You took that on the chin and then you took that and turn that whole situation around to not only be able to get yourself out, but to bless others and help get out as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so humble, and I'm just grateful. I'm, I'm, You know, everything that was meant to kill me made me stronger, and then I'm reaching back, mm-hmm. and I'm sharing to different women um, of all ages because at the event, um, the second one was men and women. And I I just wanted to hear the men's perspective. And so they talked about being unappreciative and and, and me telling my story. Um, A lot of the men came up afterwards and said, I never knew that you went through nothing like that, Tina. You would never know. You know, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. But they probably looked at me back then like she wow, she crazy. They didn't under they didn't know about the rape, the molestation, the drugs, the volatile mm-hmm. r- being raised in a household where your parents are fighting. People just judge you by your actions. They don't really know why you're acting like that. And so I think that right. um, by the grace of God, when I see people doing that, I often say, I, I say to myself, that sister or that brother, I wonder what he went through. Because clearly I know that that's just something he's acting out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you see a real angry woman, you see a really hurt woman. Mm-hmm. Right. You're right. You're
2: right. So and and I think a lot of times we, we're so, we imperfect people. And yes. we are always looking for perfection from other imperfect people. That's right. Like we're looking for somebody else to be perfect. And when they don't, then we have to either shame them, or we're 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 making them feel away about their imperfections when we we imperfect
4: ourselves. That's right. Mm-hmm. That is so true, That's and that true. is so powerful. That is because you're looking at two people that are wounded again. I, I hate to keep bringing up, that, but that was just so many copies we had, um, and I had mm-hmm. young women there, but um, they you like you said you look and you got uh, here i am hurt then i married somebody that had baggage and here we come together thinking something is going to work out when we're not we didn't love ourselves he didn't love himself i didn't love myself but we're expected to love one another it's not going to work it's it's just not mm-hmm. somebody somewhere has to love themselves. now the flip side of that i had a girlfriend of mine that we reconnected when we got older and i asked her about her guy that she was dating for a while And she said, "Oh, we don't see each other." I said, "Girl, what happened? You were cheating." He was cheating. She said, "No, he called me a bitch." Oh, excuse me. Lord have mercy. I'm so sorry. He called me a bitch. You okay? And I, oh okay, said, "Uh, (laughs) what?" And so in my mind, I said, "Girl, you quit." I said, "No," I said it out loud. I'm sorry. I said, "I said, girl, you left me because he called you a bitch." She said, "Absolutely." My mother and father didn't raise no Tina. I'm not tolerating that type of disrespect. And at that moment, ladies, I said to myself, "Now, see." That's exactly why she's where she's at in her life, because mm-hmm. I, it, that was that was second talk, to, you know, in my circle. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. I wouldn't have played right. a guy or been done talking to him because he called me a B. It just would have been my mouth was so reckless, I would have said your mama won and kept it moving and we would have probably <laughs> went to bed later on that night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. like I didn't know about self-worth or love, and you know, and that's why I'm saying where did it come from? But it was learned behavior, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you're right what you're saying, yes. As and as this well is the thing,
2: especially mm-hmm. in a relationship, once respect has left, once it's disrespect over. takes over, that relationship has now died. And that nine times sick. out of ten it was already dead. Uh, but a lot of times it, I, I, And I'm not being funny I'm just saying that's true A lot of times it was already dead already. And now we are functioning In ego or fear yes. The fear of um, Starting over And How oh, I'm going to take care of myself How oh, I'm going to do this by myself Or the ego of I got to win Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, I, I'm do, I'm, I'm
2: everything, you know what I'm saying? And we have to get out of that because that's going to put you in the trick bag every time
4: every single time i done been in the bag a thousand times until here recently <laughs> so i know about the bag so well and it's so good to not be in the trick bag you know what i'm saying anymore because like i said when you change everything around you change everything and then your energy draw other energy your spirit would begin to illuminate where everybody that that that's feeling that same way or start reaching out people that never did or you'll start coming in contact with people like it's you. just an amazing Journey, you know what I'm saying, and I, I I'm thanking I'm thanking God that I did make a choice because life is truly about choices you make. I don't dog the man anymore like I used to. Like, oh that nigga ain't this. I don't say any of those things because no one had me held captive. These were choices that I made to stay. Mm-hmm. Those were choices. I could have mm-hmm. left. Like, like my girlfriend, I could have said, "You know what? no, I'm not dealing with you. I'm not a bee. I'm out of here, but i I just hurt people, hurt people, so I just said something deeper. He called me one, well, I talk about your mom or your grandmama. you know it just got it, when it that, and it was just normal for me so so normal for everybody else was is this life now is abnormal like again, even oh. though I'd evangelized and I thought I was healed, I was not really healed like I should have been because I, I didn't allow the father to to enter in certain areas because it was kind of like a comfort for me to hold on to certain things. Now, because I felt so vulnerable, you know what I'm saying? Like if, mm-hmm. I, if I let my guard all the way down, I'm going to get hurt. And that comes from the lifestyle that I live. But now it's okay for me to cry. It's okay to say, hey, you know what? That hurt my feelings. When there was a time I never said that, I just cussed you out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. And also Absolutely. on top of that, um,
2: that, Tina, you know, one time that I, I, I'm i cringing every time I hear it now is to well, say, oh, she's a strong black woman. Oh. No. Yeah, no, we, ma'am. We, I don't want to be strong. No, ma'am. You know, so oh, she right. can take it cause she's strong. Oh, my goodness. That's just, I cringe now when I hear that, you know, because that's not the case. We all Need help. All you know have burdens to bear. So it's, I hate when someone say, "Oh, you know, you can handle that because you're a strong black woman. Are oh, you a strong?
4: Yes.
2: You don't even have to do that. Yeah. It's just it irks me. Oh, uh,
4: that's why I told you they saw me. No one even because I had been through so much. They didn't even see that I was dying. I'm talking about the closest to me, right. family and family, You know, and I, 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 I was right. uh, Yeah. It took that little lady, that, a little Caucasian insurance lady to see that I was dying. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. took her to see she knew. Like she said, I wasn't and I wasn't the best I wasn't nice to that lady. I didn't want her bubbly self around. Get on away from here, white lady. I mean girl, it was it was look. What are you I said, I don't want the insurance. I don't care. Let it come. she said, No, I'll pay it. I said, Well do what you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just you know, mm-hmm. that's just I wasn't mean mean, but I wasn't warming not like I am. You know what I mean? I don't meet strangers Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't in no place to be smiling at her because I was angry, you know. Mm -hmm. Didn't forgive myself for the choices I made. I'm angry that my brother left because he did what he did and I know, you know, it it just was a mess. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh yeah, don't don't tell me nothing about no she a strong woman. I need help. I needed help and I still need help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I may be Mm -hmm. I conquered some things by the grace of God, but I still need my circle. I still need my friends and family to look out, to check right. on me. Right. So true. You absolutely right? agree.
2: And we so appreciate you coming to kick it with us today, sharing your, your you. life experience, your business. We want you to shout out your businesses
4: where everybody can reach you at any social media you have. Facebook. Uh, Safe Haven Cleaning Company, LLC on Instagram. And um, we do it all from wall to wall. I do commercial, residential. We organize. We move you in, move you out. We unpack. We pack um, from the basement to the attic. Um, we do garages, commercial. Like I did, I said commercial, residential. Yes. Uh, so, like I said, we mm-hmm. do it. I, too It's not, not too much that we don't do. And like I said, I could be reached on Facebook. Um, Our number is 937-232-6119, 937-232-6119, Safe Haven Cleaning Company, LLC. We do it all from wall to wall. And thank you, ladies, so much. You are so very
2: welcome. And you are welcome back anytime.
4: Thank you. Y'all have a blessed day on purpose. Thank you for having me. You you are so very welcome. You too. (laughs) Oh,
2: Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, she has a powerful She's message. So awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and her story. Her story and the fact that she is willing to just be able to share with everybody, you know, mm-hmm. that testimony of her own personal growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm into the blueprint. I think that everything we see... Is a blueprint. Everybody we see is a blueprint. Either a blueprint of what mm-hmm. you want, or a blueprint of what you don't want. But it's all a blueprint. True. Um, and just having that that's blueprint true. for others to see that you might start here, you might make these. But that don't mean that that's your every. That's your endpoint. That does not mean that that's mm-hmm. where your life will stay, and that you will
3: mm-hmm. never have
2: anything else. But you do gotta work. You know, to get what mm-hmm. you want. Right, so and I appreciate that. It doesn't, it, it, right? It doesn't define you where you are right now. Yeah. You know, you have that choice to make your definition what it is that you want it to be. Absolutely, absolutely. We appreciate y'all tuning in to last chat. I am Leisha. You know, I got my right hand, and most of the time, she is my left. The fabulous Miss Tony. If you are just tuning in, no worries. If you missed our first interview, just turn on over to our archive either here at com, You can also catch us on iTunes or iHeartRadio. We so appreciate you guys coming to kick it with us on today. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be back with our next fabulous guest. vivir Chat, I'm Miss Leisha, and of course I got my right hand, and most of the time she is my left. The fabulous, Miss Tony, you know that was Keith Robinson, y'all. Yes, is not just an author, uh, an actor, but he is a singer as well. Great, great vocals, great spirit, um, and we appreciate him always thinking of us. We got our next fabulous guest. He is in the chat room with us on today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you hear us?
5: You may be muted. Is
2: your phone
5: on mute? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me?
3: Yes,
5: we can. (laughs) Hello. Sorry about that. How are you? It's so great to be with you guys. We are good.
2: It's so great great to have you.
5: Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this this conversation.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) You know, our topic today um, is committing to you first. Uh, but before we get into the topic, we just wanted to talk a little bit just about your journey Jamal. um we want you to mm-hmm. tell everybody just a little bit about your uh literary journey um, into not only just books but
5: film well well actually I'm not an actor but i'm I'm an author <laughs> and um but my you know I always tell people and this is kind of a, an interesting you know some people find this to be interesting, but I've never. You know, writing um, does not come natural for me. Um, It's not something I ever visualize myself doing. Um, But writing, you know, I've written a couple of books, and before that I was a blogger. But really a lot of my writing work has come out of um, almost a deep sense of frustration. Initially it was frustration that some of these messages that that were burning inside me,
4: um, I felt
5: like wasn't being talked about. And nobody, you know, or I won't say nobody, but largely around around the, the country and around the world, um, people who were speaking on various subjects in regards to spirituality or in regards to uh, just your purpose and your work, and um, it just seemed that these conversations were not happening. And I almost felt like, well, if I don't if I don't speak up, then who's going to speak up? And so was, this message was just burning in me, and so. Uh, that's why I decided to eventually write and to communicate through the medium of writing. But it's not—it's not actually natural for me. It feels sometimes it can feel like giving. I'm of course I'm, I'm not a woman, so I don't know. But I've heard, it's like giving birth. You know, there's a sense of just it's a—it's a labor of love and that kind of thing. But it's uh, not something I saw. I would ever envision myself doing.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we <laughs> always talk about a go moment here, and a go moment is when thought and execution come together. A lot of times we're really mindful about how we pour into the people or even how they pour into themselves. Uh, but when we deal with ourselves, uh, it's always in a form of lack um, or we can't do something right now or it's never the right time. Um, and so when you decided to sit down and actually go into uh the lane of being a published author.
5: What was that process like for you? Yeah, that's a, gr- a great question. Well, you know, I would have these conversations uh in my head, and I, I would talk to other writers. I would have these same conversations. And, you know, it's always a question of credibility, right? So sometimes people say, well, who are you to write this book? Or who are you to say this? And that's the question that our mind likes to have. Sometimes that's a narrative that kind of comes up, and I had to understand that. First of all, that's just a narrative. That's that's a cycle. It's a part of my own unconscious, subconscious script uh, that has been that was created or, or developed in this with the sense of not good enough. And that really, I, nobody would choose to program themselves. I always say, hey, you know, if you if you were in control of how you of the subconscious scripts and narratives that we that we tell ourselves. We would never, you know, design a script that says I'm not good enough or I'm not qualified. So obviously that came from somewhere else and somebody else. And, and lot, largely we're not even aware of that. So for me, that came from my own family dynamics, my own generational history in which lots of people felt not good enough. And so therefore that got passed to me, and I thought that was my voice. It was even my voice. But finally I had to say, who's saying this? Who, Where is this voice coming from? And then to recognize that mm-hmm. it's not my voice. Well, my – my voice began to sound very different. And my voice, one of the things that my voice began to say deep internally was your life qualifies you. Your experiences qualify you. So you're always qualified to talk about your experience, your life. And so, and then the next question was, well, I'm not a writer. You know, that's another narrative. Well, I'm not a writer. Well, then the question is like, well, when do you become a writer? (laughs) And sometimes when I'm in my coaching work, and I'm working with folks who want to write, they'll say, well, I'm not really a writer. I say, well, when will you become a writer? They say, well, when I publish, I Mm -hmm. get published. Like, well, how will you get published if you don't write? (laughs) So it's because Mm -hmm. writers, and it boils down to this, writers write. Non-writers don't write. So if you can perceive yourself as a writer, then you'll write. So you're a writer. I always tell people you're a writer when you say you are because that's what a writer is. Right. So who you, who you are is, is who you perceive yourself to be. So it, for me, it was uh, instrumental to to sit down and to just kind of observe this narrative that was going on in my head. I'm not a writer. I'm not qualified. And so that's not even my voice. And my experience has qualified me. And I'm a writer and in this moment. If I sit down and put my fingers to the keyboard and start sharing a message that's burning inside of me, then I'm a writer in this moment.
2: Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you're committing to yourself. You know what I'm saying? You That's we, true. A lot mm-hmm. of times, we we want to commit to everything else and then never commit to ourselves until after we've lost ourselves into whatever it is that we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You have these fabulous books, but you have a book, your first book, I believe, um, and it was, what, Free to Love? And it talks about uh, marriage and singleness. You know, we were talking about that earlier in the show, about um, how everybody is um, confusing, confusing casually dating with uh, intent and purpose. I think that in anything that you do, you have to move with intent and purpose or you're not going to go anywhere. Um, but a lot of times we're just out here casually being ourselves casually living life and never really committing to who we are and what we want. Talk a little bit about that.
5: Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great, that's a great perspective. Um, And, and when it comes to relationships specifically, um, a lot of times when you talk about casual, casually entering into life or casually, you know, whether it's dating or getting into relationships, what I have found is that when I, the casual approach to life and relationships is really just a mirror. So I'm casually committed to myself, right? So I'm, and this is not conscious, right? But if I'm not, if if I'm casually committed to myself, then that means I'm not actively stepping into who I am, my essence. And when, when that occurs, there's always a sense, and we, we can know we're doing this because there's a sense of, there's a feeling of being incomplete. There's a feeling of there's something missing, And so a lot of times we take that unconsciously. It's not not, We're always aware of this. We take that deep sense of incompleteness or something's missing, and then we approach relationships with the expectation that this other person in some way is going to complete me, is is somehow going to meet this need. But because I am looking for that other person to complete me, I cannot actually engage in that relationship in a wholehearted manner with them. So – you always have one foot in and one foot out and it's not you're not really committed in the relationship. But it took me a long time to realize that when I could not casually um, step into my being but actively look at all parts of me, the parts of me that I loved and even the parts of me that, that quote unquote I would I would see as broken, but that were just there was just trauma there that needed attention. When I could engage and step into my trauma, begin to to move into places of healing and really to get close to those, those parts of me that I didn't want to acknowledge or even to, to feel, when I began to be able to move into that wholeheartedly and commit to myself wholeheartedly, even commit to my purpose, my work, what I started noticing is that relationships were just a mirror. They started to mirror that commitment, and I could be fully committed in a relationship with whoever I was with, um, you know, whatever type of relationship that was. I was fully present and committed to them in my relationships completely
2: transformative. Absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of times, until you commit to yourself, you're kind of really just going through the motions, especially in relationships. And then that causes us to to stay too long. You know, everything, Mm -hmm. every relationship is not forever. Um, Everything has an expiration date. But when we tend to um, kind of, not commit to ourselves and in our in our growth, we kind of put our own selves in a standstill, and we're really just walking through life. We're really not doing life; we're just there. So you're in that relationship, going through the motions, um, but you really aren't happy. And you're the expectation that a lot of people have is that somebody else makes you happy, um, and you know other people can't make you happy. It's not, it's uh it's not possible. But I'm glad that you were able to come into that understanding. Like this is what I want. This is what I need for myself. And once you found that, you were able to find that I can have these relationships that I want. But I had to have me first.
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I always say happiness. And I, and, you know, yeah, I had to learn this through a lot of a lot of struggle and suffering. But ha. Realize that happiness or misery is, is an inside job. So what I uh-huh. experience in life, I experience internally. And for so long, I had, you know, outsourced that or made other people liable for my inner uh-huh. state of being. And that that put a lot of pressure unconsciously. This wasn't I didn't do this purposely. But because I made other people liable for my state of being, anytime I would get into a relationship. Uh, they put a lot, I put a lot of pressure on that. There's a lot of weight on that relationship because it had to be something that only I could do uh-huh. for myself. But, but I realized that when, you know, what's beautiful about relationships, because some people will say, well, if you don't need anything from that other person, why why do you want to be in a relationship? And uh, my answer to that often is when you, when you step into all that you are, that's not a small thing. There's actually, I look at it as like a, it's almost like a, a Waterfall. There's an abundance of uh-huh. love. There's an abundance of peace. There's an abundance of, and, you know, I have another friend that always says love loves to love. And when you're swimming in love and your experience is love, it's very natural for you to want to share that. And there's a real yeah. joy in sharing the essence of who you are with another person. And that's a very different energy than um, wanting somebody to to complete you. It's it's a very different energy because instead of wanting that other person to complete you, you literally offer your completeness to that other person. Whole different trajectory.
2: You're absolutely right because relationships are not a need; they're a, a want hmm. and a desire, which are two different things. So, you, I don't hmm. necessarily need that person to be my companion, but this is hmm. what I want. I, yeah. And we have Absolutely, to start I love that distinction. Thinking, yeah, we have to start thinking like that. Like this is not a need. The things that I need, I already have. Um, but these, this is the extra thing. You know, relationships is kind of like, kind of like jewelry. You know, a nice watch. It 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 enhances what you already have. But if you're mm, expecting someone that. else to give you something, then nine times out of ten, they haven't really given themselves. That's so,
3: where the problem so comes
2: in because we're we're imperfect people, but we are constantly looking for other imperfect people to show perfection to cover up what we don't want to fix. And that mm. that is why I love the top the title of your next book because you said, "Living for a living."
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Talk about totally. That.
5: Sure. Totally. So li- Living for a Living, <laughs> and again, the, the title of the book comes out of a bit of a pet peeve that I've had. And, uh, you know, growing up, people, you know, everybody asks, what do you want to be? What do you want to do, you do when, you grow, you know, when you grow up? And then, you know, you get, get into adulthood, and people say, hey, what is it that you do for a living? And that question, what do you do for a living, it, it really bothered me because I grew up um, in a family, and I love my parents, and, you know, they did the best they could, but, you know, generationally, they – there's just a lot of struggle and poverty that they came from. So the, the energy and the, the outlook that my family brought to life was one of struggle. And it's, you know, the, the focus of life was really just about survival. It's just about making enough money to pay the bills. And this was this constant struggle. So to me, when I observed that, even though I appreciated, I appreciated all that they did for, for, for myself, I have an older brother, what, they did for my brother. I appreciated the struggle. My dad uh, you know, uh, was an immigrant, came to the United States from a you know, very impoverished part of the world, so, and it was not easy. And so I appreciated that. But what I observed was there has to be more to life than just a perpetual struggle. There's got to be more. It has to be more than just paying the bills. To me, just living for survival and paying the bills, that wasn't living. So when people ask the question, what is it you do for a living, I always felt like we should probably rephrase the question to, hey, what do you do for money? Because that's really what they're asking. What is it that you do for money? But that doesn't mean that you're actually living. Um, And so I wanted to write a book, and, of course, my lifelong quest, my lifelong journey was, is there more to life than just survival? Like, why am I here? Why do I wake up in the morning? Why do I exist? Is it just to pay the bills? Why, why are we working so hard to live? What's the point of life? And I discovered, and this has been a lifelong journey for me, um, it was that we're actually here to live, not and, and living, <laughs> um, when you live for a living, survival, of course, comes with it, but it's not the main point. That um, living is the, is the focus. And, of course, then the question comes in is, what does that mean to live? Well, that's a that's a broader question, but it it certainly means that I experience life in the fullness in which it was intended for me to experience it. That's what it means mm-hmm. to live. That means if I
3: oh, the day okay. I'm living
5: in, <clears throat> I'm experiencing this day to the fullness of what's possible today. That's living. Okay. And so mm-hmm. the book is really my journey out of a a focus a, a career that's really just focused on surviving to moving into what my life's work is, which has nothing to do with survival.
2: Now, Jamal, this is telling me, I want to ask you, you know, you have such an eclectic journey, but I want to go back just a little bit to ask you what was happening around you or what did you see to make you feel that there was more to life than what you were experiencing with your family?
5: Yeah, you know, um, well, what I was witnessing, and I was was witnessing a lot of, you know, just in my own parents, I saw an existential. And again, this isn't, I don't fault them for this. This is nothing that they were doing wrong. But there was a lot mm-hmm. going on inside of them. But I could see that there was a deep, just a sense of unhappiness and unfulfilledness. Um, mm. You know, there was a desire for opportunity. This is what brought my dad from the other side of the world over to the United States. Uh, There was a, you know, there was being here in in the U.S. offered possibility and offered a sense of, uh, you know, security. Well, growing up, my dad never felt secure, even though I I was born here in the States. And, of course, my experience was, you know, I grew up in the relative ease and comfort of the Western world in comparison to other parts of the world. And I could never understand why my dad didn't feel secure. But I would observe in him this deep sense of insecurity, and it just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, so I saw that, and I said, well, it, there has to be – so the external world, even though my dad was living in, the, in, in a country where there was plenty in, in, you know, in, in, in relation to the rest of the world, that my dad was doing well, we were never, you know, we were never on the street. We always had a place to live. We had food to eat. We had everything we needed. It didn't make sense to me, and what I learned was there has to be more security than the external. So really what what we're looking for when it comes to the sense of security or even a sense of significance, does my life count? Have I amounted to something in life? That deep sense, or or am I loved? Am I connected to something bigger than myself? I started to realize that that cannot be answered through an external process. Now, no matter how much money you acquire in your bank account. So for my dad, I would ask him, what number do you need in your account before you feel safe? I would ask him that. He, he couldn't tell me. Sometimes he would throw out a number. Well, whenever he would hit that number, I would say, hey, how do you, feel? do you feel? Do you feel rich? Do you feel wealthy now? And he never, never did he ever get to a point where he felt wealthy. There was always the need for more. And I became – I just started to realize that we're not going to be happy until we turn toward, toward what I would call um, the, an infinite source that goes beyond anything finite. So Uh that's an inner process. So when I started to term inward, which is what you know, depending on a person's background, the word spiritual, you know, I don't. When I say the word spiritual, all I mean by that is going beyond the physical. Because when we go beyond the physical, that's what's spiritual. That's what that's a spiritual process. So Uh I was, you know, if no matter how much money you have in the bank, like let's take the richest person. I don't know who the richest person is. Maybe it's Elon Musk or. That's or somebody. And we say, okay, I, there's, I know where there's more money than most people have. So no matter what number they have in the bank account, there's always more money outside of their bank account. And that's always the, the case. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's more money wow. outside than inside. So if you want to feel infinite, then begin to identify with the infinite, not the finite, and then you become infinite. And I know that sounds really heady and metaphysical, but there's a real reality to it. When you start to go beyond the physical, start to turn inward, you start to tap into infinite dimensions of being, infinite love, infinite wisdom, infinite significance, and this is really where life is birthed from. But
4: I'm going to ask you, you. and I love it.
3: Go
2: ahead. I'm sorry, Elise. I was going to ask you, but if you're trying to live infinite. Are you really living? You know, because if that's all, that, if that's what you're striving for, what about your present? What about what you're experiencing in the now? You know, because you're so focused on being infinite or finite. You know, you have this purpose-driven idea or, or where you want to be that you kind of forget where you are in the process. Does that make sense? <laughs>
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think I understand what you're asking. So what I'm hearing you ask is, you know, if you focus on the infinite, like what about real everyday life? Is that kind of what you're asking? What about the the, the day-to-day exactly. process of living? Totally. Right. Well, Are it, you it, living? It's, a, it's a great. Qu- <laughs> totally, it's, it's a great question. Well, what I what my experience has been, is when we're not focused on the infinite and we're just all, you know, because our our, our we're trained to interact with life. You know, our eyes see, so we're, we're we're it's all everything's pointed outward. Our eyes are seeing what's out here. You know, we, we touch what we you know the things we we touch and hear and smell and taste. These are all external stimulus that that is how we interact with life. Well, when that's my sole focus, there's an appearance of lack when we operate in the in the physical world because there's an appearance of separation. There's an appearance of you know. Separateness, and this creates an existential peace in us and so what happens is when we have this anxiety that we're operating in and this I go back to my parents that's all they knew was the external world they were operating in the external world that they had to, and basically when we operate in the external world we, we're seeing everything through the lens of the past because that's how we have you know we see through a lens it's like a fish if you were to if you were to have a conversation with a fish in a fish tank if you could talk to the fish and say how's the water you know they would probably just be able, you know look back at you and say what's water i've never seen it right because when you're in something you don't see what you're in you don't see the lens through which you're seeing the world through so when you're living in the external world and you're just operating in in reaction to everything that's happening around you you're processing all of those events through the lens you're what i call a the psychological lens of everything you've inherited from your past. You're not actually interacting with it the way it actually is. So what's happening is you're in reaction mode. If you're in a relationship, you you may hear everything that person is saying and doing through a certain lens that creates drama and struggle. So there's a lot of reaction going on in the relationship. Maybe I feel impoverished in my financial life. So then I'm in reaction mode. I'm trying to hustle and come up with certain jobs that I need to that, – that, that are going to bring an in income because I don't feel like I have enough money. So we're in constant reaction mode. So when we're in reaction mode, my experience has been that's actually not living because we're, we're reacting to a paradigm that's right. not even really real. It's So by turning inward and beginning to, to come back to this place within us, just – so for example, just in a, in a time of – quiet meditation, when I can turn off my survival fight or flight mechanism that's operating in my brain, when I can switch that off and learn to breathe deeply and get rooted in my being, I start to feel in that moment absolutely abundant. I start to feel safe. I start to feel loved. And then I take that same energy, which is what I want to get to, that, that infinite sense of love and being connected and all of those things, then I, when I approach life with that energy, it's a game changer because not, now I'm no longer reacting to life. I'm actually being able to respond to it and engage and create what I want to create from that place. But I hope that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. It makes a whole lot of sense, Ashley. You know, you, you, you have such, you've had such an amazing journey, and it may seem random, to the naked eye, but you had quite a journey to get to this point, to get to the wisdom that you're sharing with our audience tonight. Can you talk about, um, a little bit about being a life coach and how you entered that field? I mean, you started off as, a, if I understand, a correction officer. You know, each part of your journey enhanced that next level, pretty much. Can you just share with us about being a life coach because you have so much wisdom that you're expounding upon everybody. Just give us a little bit of background on how you got to this point.
5: Yes, thank you, and thank you for the question. Um, so I started, like, like you mentioned, I started off, early, you know, early in life. Um, I got out of high school and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And um, my, my dad actually had a had a friendship with a, with somebody who worked. The state of Ohio, it's where I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, and, and uh, he knew somebody that knew somebody that was able to get a door open for me to be. To they to, to said, "Hey, you should apply to be a corrections officer in a state penitentiary." So uh, my mm-hmm. brother actually did that first, and then I had no prospects, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, so I ended up applying. And I got the job, ended up working there for almost five years in a in a, in a, in a state prison, and that was such an instrumental and pivotal. Uh, job for me because what I witnessed working with people in, you know in their in their lowest people I worked with people that were just you know had um, had given up on life I worked with people that were operating you know everything you expect to see in prison you know I totally experienced that uh, and saw that and I like to tell people that I became convinced in the in the inherent goodness of humanity because I worked in the prison. That's when I, because I used to actually just think that some people were just bad. They were just inherently, fundamentally flawed or evil. And what I started to realize uh-huh. working in that prison was that people at their core were no different than, than me. And that we all, uh-huh. all of us, no matter who we are, no matter what our background is, we all have the same core desires. And uh-huh. what I started to see was when people were, you know, you know, there was – when people were acting out or when people were, had committed these crimes or people were violent, that that, that was just a – that was a psychological structure of the costume they were wearing, and a lot of that that costume was, was birthed from trauma, from real pain and trauma mm-hmm. and abandonment. And I started to see that, and I started mm-hmm. to realize that that was actually my story as well. I didn't realize that at the time, and I knew that oh. below, if we could get below that trauma, we could start to exc- – to see who that person really is. And for most people that were in prison, they had never met themselves. They had no idea who they were. They were, in, they were just one, one large ball of reactions. <laughs> that's, that's their entire life right. in reaction to trauma. And a lot of that trauma wasn't even theirs. It was generational. So mm-hmm. for me, I developed a passion to want to help people free themselves from their, of their own psychological construct. But what I didn't realize... This is, a long, this, is a long, uh, this is a long story that goes into it. I'll spare you all the details. But what I didn't realize was that I, I, what I tried to do for other people was really what needed to happen to me. Because I had two okay. major pain, pain points in my life. One of those was abandonment. It was a deep sense. Okay. Some of this ha- it has to do with my own family dynamic. And a lot of it has to do with generational things that I wasn't aware of. But it was a, a lot of it was okay. centered around abandonment. That was a pain point for me. The other pain point was a deep sense of inadequacy, sense that no matter what I did, it wasn't good enough. It never quite measured up. And again, that was Mm -hmm. another pain point. So I had spent so much of my life trying to outrun that. If I could just be the right person, people won't abandon me. And yet people abandoned me in my relationships. It was a broken. It was like a a broken record. Same story. No matter Mm -hmm. how many relationships I'd get in, I would experience abandonment. I would experience relational breakdown. Same thing in my, any mm-hmm. profession. Eventually I was always not good enough. It was always, um, a day, you know, a day late, a dollar short kind of thing. And eventually that mm-hmm. came to a halt. I, um, I had this massive breakdown. I ended up losing, I you know, went through a divorce, lost most of my relationships, lost all my money, became homeless for a period mm-hmm. of time and was just at rock bottom. And I, I wanted to die and I despaired of life. And, um, I, I wouldn't say I was suicidal because I didn't even have the energy to do that. I was uh-huh. at a point where if I could have just hit, hit a button to end my life, I would have done it. But one right. particular day, th- there was a voice that just popped into my head. And this voice, I like to say, it's the grace of God. It was just – it came from beyond me. And this voice said, since you want to die and you're so, you think that would solve all your problems, why don't you do some research on people who have actually died? And have come back to talk about it, and I I had no idea that mm. there was such. But then I started to realize, oh, there is an entire population of people, especially since you know modern times, since modern, with modern technology, there's there's a right. lot of people that have clinically died and have come back with experiences from beyond their body. Mm. And I started to do research. Mm-hmm. I read a book. There was a doctor who had written a book called Life After Life. And there was 100 people who had, he, this doctor was able to verify that they had experienced clinical death, and they all had stories to talk about that. And their stories were captivating to me. And one of the things, even though the, mm-hmm. some of the stories were different, there was one common theme. There was many common themes, but one of them that really got my attention was this, what was communicated to these people who had experienced – they call it near-death near experience. What was, ta- what was communicated to them beyond their body was, this isn't your time. You have to go back to your life. You have to go back to your mm-hmm. body because you are here on purpose. And your life right. is, 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 is literally was created in purpose. There is something you're here to learn, and there's some things you're here to do. And it's not fulfilled yet, so you need to go back. And they all came back to their body, it was resuscitated. And their, their, their life was profoundly altered after they came back uh-huh. to life because they, they carried with them this deep innate sense that there is no mundane days. Every day you wake up is because you were purposed to be here. And that, that totally began to that it began to lift me out of my depression. And I started to realize, like, uh-huh. I am not – this isn't my time. I'm here on purpose. And so I started uh-huh. to really lean into that and uh, to realize that my my first purpose is to learn how to live without suffering. Right, and that's what right. opened, opened me up to coaches, and eventually I started to, to receive help from coaches. And um, and then there was a, a point in time when somebody looked at me and said, Why don't you? Have you ever thought about doing this for other people? And that, I had not thought of it. Mm-hmm. I never would have imagined myself being a life coach, but until that person looked me in the face and said, The world needs what you have experienced, and what you've experienced isn't just for you; it's for others. And that's when I started to contemplate. Maybe this is something, maybe this is part of my work that I'm here to do. And that was the beginning. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. But, you know, you touched on something, Jamal, that Alicia and I talked about at the beginning of the show. In order for you to have a relationship or um, to help others or to do whatever it is that you want to do, you have to know yourself. You have to be able to help yourself in order for you to make room to help others. And it sounds like you have gone through that, you know, because you knew that you had to work on you and before you can even help someone else. And that's so true and that's so profound that hmm. it's, we kind of equate it to learning your craft. You know, you, in order for you to learn your craft, you have to go through the ups and the downs. And to be successful at it, you have to know your craft. You know what I mean, so for you to be able to be a successful life coach and to be able be there for those that need you, you had to know what it was that you needed or to help yourself like I was saying
5: that's that's so well said absolutely, and I didn't know that it took me a long time mm-hmm. to figure that one out because you know I was po- you know people kept telling me, oh you know when I was a corrections officer, I was in a position of authority so. You know, just wearing the uniform, you thought, oh, "Okay, I'm in this position of authority. I can speak with authority, you know, into people's lives." It was it was almost a false pretense because I hadn't done my own work. And I eventually became a pastor, and I went to you know went to Bible college and trained and became a pastor. But nobody act, nobody trained me how to how to engineer my own inner experience you know, you know, I, I was I was in pain, and I was trying to solve the problem. A lot of times, we try to love others the way we actually needed to be loved, but it has to start with that, right. and I didn't know that, and I was on the run, and eventually, you know, it all came crashing down, and when I realized, like, none of that matters, all, you know, what people think of me, what my career is, success, all of that, none of that matters. It's all secondary to my inner being, my inner experience, and when I learned how to Take, take control of the one thing that we actually have control over, which is our inner experience. Right? Uh, there's a lot of things we don't control in the world, but one of the things we do control is how I experience life. My inner experience of life is, is, is really actually under my domain. And I started to learn to take control of that, and that's when I realized, oh, now I have something to offer because it works for me. Mm-hmm. But I used to tell people now, if it doesn't work for you, what are you going to try to do? How, You can't give people what doesn't you know what you haven't learned to experience yourself. Right. So it's so important to, um, to make sure it works for you <laughs> before you start offering it. To exactly, the world. and I totally got that backwards.
2: Absolutely, and it kind of circles back to what I wanted to ask you at the start of your your interview, where you had shared with us that you felt a deep sense of frustration, not being certain things not being talked about like spirituality, purpose mm-hmm. and work and things like that. How challenging was it for you to start talking about these things but for people to start listening? What challenges did did you come across?
5: Uh yes yeah, to, get them well, to It's a great question. Um the biggest challenge was when people would you know, people would always bring up the well, yeah, that's great, Jamal, but how does that pay the bills, right? That doesn't, that doesn't actually pay the bills. That doesn't put food on the table. You know, living for a living is great. I would love to live for a living, but i got to put food on the table. I've heard that a million times. And so it, it, it presented an opportunity for me, to, number one, say, okay, yeah, what has been my experience? Because I can speak from my own experience. So then I began to tell the story. Uh-huh. Well, let me tell you how it works for me. And eventually uh-huh. that developed it. That turned into the book, Living for a Living, where a lot of those experiences tangible examples of how, how it works for me are in the book. But the other thing is, you know, when you live differently, when you live with a different set of values, um, right. it really brings up a psychological – like in your – there's a voice in your head. And for me, the voice in my head was, um, you know, this is what I was raised in. It was, oh, you don't quite measure up. You're not quite – you're not hitting the standards of what your society is setting for you. And – when, uh-huh. when people push back or they don't listen to you, they think you're weird and they think, man, this guy, he's – I don't know what he's, he's talking about. When, when, when uh-huh. those voices uh-huh. come up, it, it really forces you – and if there's an effect, like that used to really affect me and it would rattle me. And I remember having a conversation with a, a mentor who was in my life, and she, um, she said, why does this bother you? Why does the pushback bother you? And I said, well, because, you know – I want people to understand what I'm saying. You know, I think it's, and I would, you know, I have this, you know, it's really for their benefit. And I'm just, you know, like I want to help people. And she said, no, I don't think it's quite, that. I don't think that's it at all. I said, what do you mean? And she said, Uh she said, listen, the reason it bothers you, this is what I'm perceiving, the reason it bothers you is because it matches a voice, it matches your own voice, right? There's a voice in your head that isn't quite sure that what they're saying isn't true. So you kind of, you're harboring, because there's a voice in your head that says, hey, maybe you are crazy. Maybe you aren't doing this right. Maybe you're, you're deluding yourself here. Um, she said, mm-hmm. until you realize that what these voices are saying, until you understand that that's not true, it's always going to affect you. So this is an opportunity for you to look inside and find out where are those lies in you still. And it, it allowed me to do inner work and to say, oh, my gosh, okay. The reason I'm so affected by what another person is saying is because they're playing on an insecurity that I already have in me. So let's look at that insecurity. Let's get close to it. Where did it come from? And let's let's learn to and again that's part of the inner work. It's learning to heal those parts. And when I can begin to really heal that part, really know who I am, know what the truth the truth that I'm here to operate in is, then it, it didn't matter. It's just everyone is speaking out of their own their own psychological grid, right? And no no one's actually seeing things the way the way it actually is and so when i can just you know and, and that's what my understanding of consciousness the word consciousness means perceive the perception of reality beyond um beyond a, a pattern if i'm seeing something the way it is not through my lens uh-huh. not through my own psychological structure but i'm just observing the way it is and so then uh-huh. people's opinions and judgments they they they, they lose their they're just words. They're just perspective. And that really right. – and I kind of have, a, I kinda have a, um, a kind of a mantra that I live by, and that is what other people think of me is none of my business because I really have no control <laughs> <over> that.
2: <laughs> That's a good one.
5: <laughs> totally. It's, it, what's, what is my business is what I have control over, and that is I, ha- I always have control over how I perceive life and how I respond to everything. That's, my, that's in my domain, and that is my business. But what somebody else thinks is really none of my business.
2: I like that. I might have to use that, Jamal.
5: (laughs) So feel free. I did not originate it, but uh, it works for me. uh, Please take it.
2: (laughs) No problem. But I want to add, Jamal, if I may, because sometimes, you know, when you start speaking about something that, you know, that's not normally heard, it's hard to hold the attention of those that you're trying to reach because, you know, I – What is he talking? Like you said, what is he talking about? It doesn't apply to me. It doesn't, you know, affect me in any way. What what is it gonna do for me? You know, so there are challenges when you're trying to help someone and you see it, but they haven't necessarily gotten to that point. But the the tool, the the beauty of it is to just keep feeding them. You know, just just feed them, and they'll eventually come around to enjoying what you. What you got cooking? I,
5: I I cook, so I
2: I try to, and I, I love sports and I love <laughs> cooking, so I always try to find an analogy to bring it all together.
5: <laughs> totally, I love that analogy, so. cooking. That's a really that's a great <laughs> analogy because if you, if you could cook the best meal, but if somebody's not hungry, it, they don't care. Uh-huh. It's, it's not going to smell. Exactly. The, the aroma <laughs> isn't going to really be appealing. So I always say it's a timing thing, right? Wait a little bit; they'll be hungry. <laughs>
2: Exactly. You know, you know suffering and struggle
5: have a way. Totally. And, you know, I always say, okay, the suffering, you know, it took me 20 years of, of really beating my head against the wall to get my hunger mm-hmm. to a pitch where I was open, where I was ready to receive. I see this in my coaching mm-hmm. all the time, you know. Um, You'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. I have people that even approach me that will actually pay me. And as soon as we start to get into the – we start to touch – you know, it's like a wound, right? You know, it's it's painful to touch. Soon as we get close, there's a recoil. It's like, no, I'm not going there. It's like, okay, <laughs> no problem. You know, uh, you, you, you're not done struggling. I always say, I've been there. Like, so, you, and you know what? They'll go, and fortunately, I've been able to. Uh, it sometimes the, the, the folks I've worked with, it the, the, the length of time, it has not been that long. So somebody will, is not willing mm-hmm. to go there, and then six months later, they come back and go, you're right. You're right, totally. Uh, I'm ready now because I'm done with this. I'm done with the struggle. That's a great place to, to be. But it's a timely thing for sure.
2: It is. It really is. It really is. Well, Jerome, we have so enjoyed having you here on Let's Please don't let this be your last time. But, you know, here on Let's we love doing a little fun segment as we end our interviews, you know. So I have a fun question for you. Since this is your first time, I'm going to kind of keep it simple, okay? So we have a, oh, I have a fun you. question for you.
4: Your Absolutely. question
2: is you have the opportunity to be three things, and I want you to give me these in three things in the order that you would like them to be. You have the ability to be the smartest person in the world, the best-looking person in the world, and the richest person in the world, in what order would you take those choices and why?
5: Mm. Wow. Okay, so let me make sure I'm hearing it correctly. (laughs) I have the opportunity to be the the smartest person in the world, the richest Mm -hmm. person in the world, and what was the the third one?
2: The best-looking person in the world.
5: The best-looking person in the world. Okay, so (laughs) <laughs> yes. Okay. I would probably – i I'd probably put, number one, the smartest. Number okay. two, and why the richest. That? And then – okay. So the reason smart – and let me – I want to maybe classify what I mean by smart. Uh, by smart, I don't okay. mean like um, somebody who has acquired a lot of facts and information, right, like, a, like an encyclopedia. Not that kind of smart. Smart from the place of perception, mm-hmm. the wisdom. So, I would want to be the smartest person in the world because then I could perceive you know life the way it is, and I, can, I would know how to live life and approach life. then I would know what to do secondly with the resources right with the money with the, with the wealth. I would know what to do with it it 's because I, my goal would be to make this world a better place to serve and help humanity okay. but i, I wouldn 't know how to do that if i don 't have wisdom so wisdom first, money would be second, and then looks honestly. Um, because there's so much my – my mother actually told me something I'll never forget, and it just it blew me away. She said, she said, the older I get, the more I realize that there are no ugly people in the world. And, it, it, and I, when I, oh. she first said it, it stunned me. I just thought, wait, what are you talking about? What do you mean there's no ugly people in the world? There's a lot of ugly people in the world. And then, but, but the older I get, the more I realize she was spot on. Because who we are right. as people goes so beyond the physical, right? So I'm like, okay. So the, exactly. to be the best looking person in the world? Is is so subjective, right? Depends on who's looking at me and what they value. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but the the essence of who we are is beautiful. So that would be last on my, on my uh, my list. Okay. But this, this all was, right.
2: I that that was great. That was fun, right? That was a fun It Was it too hard? That was fun. <laughs> Wasn't too challenging? No, not at <laughs> all.
5: No, I love it.
2: Good. Well, Jamal, please make sure you come back and visit Lisa and I. This is your home now. You're able to come back here anytime. Anytime you have any strong spirit that you want to get out there, just let us know. We'll make it happen. We'll give you the platform to do so. But before you leave us, please give us your social and any events or projects that you have coming up. Oh,
5: Oh, I I am so Hi, sorry. Thank I, you, sure. I no problem. So I that. just
2: wanted to – that's okay if things happen. I just wanted to thank you for joining us and let you know that this is your home and you're able to come back here anytime. If you have something on your heart that you want to get out, just let Lisa and I know. We'll make it happen because we have the platform to do this. But please share with our audience your social or your social and any projects or events that you have coming up so that we can test them out.
5: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed, you know, the conversation with you guys. I an some honor to be on your show and uh, I will take you up on that. I, will, I hope to come back and, and uh, have another conversation with you guys. Um, probably the best way for people Absolutely. to get in touch, touch touch with me is just through my website, which is uh, jamaljivangi.com. And uh, I have a podcast and obviously my coaching work and, uh, my book, Living for a Living, all of that is, all the information is hosted there on my website, which is com And all, all the links to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of that is there on the website as well.
2: Awesome. Well, once again, Jamal, thank you for joining us here on Let's Chat tonight. You have an amazing evening and continue to prosper in what it is that you're doing because you're doing some awesome work. And we really appreciate you. So come back and visit Leisha and I one day.
5: I sure will. Thank you so much.
2: You're very welcome. Have a great evening. Interviews tonight, and if you miss it, no worries. Just head on over to blogtalkradio.com and check out our archives. That was a wonderful interview with Jamal. Javanji. You know, Alicia and I can mess up a name, so I hope I pronounced it right. But once again, you know, if you want to follow him and get into all the things that he is doing, make sure you check out JamalJavanji dot com. We want to thank you guys for joining us and we are out of here. Have a great rest of your evening. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.
1: Get to know you with my third eye To understand the pages off in your mind I wanna know your energies I, I wanna give you all you need And know oh, I wanna be the one you call in late night The one that you can hold and make it all right I wanna give you sanity I,